What is good, Ambush? And welcome to this week's episode of the Desert Tiger Podcast here with me, Colton G. And this week on the show, we are joined by synth pop new wave artist Vanden Duel as we talk about his new EP, The View From Here. Yes, Vanden Duel is a new wave synth pop artist hailing out of Lethbridge, Alberta. And like I just told you, he has recently released his second EP, The View From Here, and it gives us a little bit of a look and insight into, you know, growing up in a small town such as Lethbridge, sort of the happenings, the going-ons of that life. And of course, that's where Ty Vanden Duel also grew up, where he got his experience. We're going to talk to him all about that, growing up inside of the uh, school band music scene, playing clarinet. How going to university in Lethbridge gave him the opportunity. It gave him the tools to create and finally release his own music. We're also going to talk about Ty's time as a DJ at the community radio station that is ran through the University of Lethbridge. We're also going to take some time to touch on a few other things like Ty's growth through his SoundCloud years. We're also going to talk about his love of Halloween because Ty likes to release a yearly Halloween EP. We're going to get the details about how this year's rendition of that is coming along. All of this and more in today's episode of Desert Tiger. And all of it, all of it is brought to you by DesertTigerMerch.com. I love DTP.com. Because that's where you go to copy yourself some merchandise from the show. You rep it everywhere you go. From your friends, your family, and even your enemies. Yes, DesertTigerMerch.com. Now, with that being said, you guys know what time it is. It's about time that we spun one of Vanden Duel's tracks off of this new EP. That, of course, being The View From Here. And I mean, an EP based about life inside of a uh, small town city. Why don't we go and kick off with a song about exactly that? This is Small Town City. Small 
So are you ready to jump on into it? Yeah, let's do this. All right, let's talk about the Vanden Duel. All right. So, so, I see uh, we're going to start at the beginning, of course. So I see your music began through the school programs, playing clarinet, that sort of thing. So the music you're releasing now, of course, definitely a little bit of a... uh, different vibe from that style from that world of course even from the type of music you would generally find inside of a place like Lethbridge Alberta so let's take from the beginning into how this sort of uh, new wave inspiration found its way into you from the clarinet start that you had I actually don't think they're related in any way at all I think there there's similar parts of uh, classical and popular music that I I tend to gravitate towards in uh, in both fields uh, like uh, emotional quality and uh, kind of more of almost a a, a passionate feel to it. So uh, that's that's something you'll find in a lot of. Uh, good classical music, especially in the Romantic period. And that's also something that uh, you'd find a lot of in in synth-pop and uh, other like electronic or uh, new wave or post-punk genres like that. Okay, okay. So at what point did you begin to craft uh your own music was this something that you had done once you had gone to college were you already doing this when you were in high school at what point were you making your own music behind the scenes 
Uh, I wanted to do it since I was in middle school. Uh, I didn't get the chance to do so until I started uh, going to university because then I had access to uh, recording studios and I also had some people I knew from class that could just come in and, and uh, record stuff in a session for me. So I think the first thing that I recorded was a was a school project in my first semester back in 2013. So I would have been 18 at the time. It was the opportunity that the University of Lethbridge had presented you from just a uh, equipment and everything else standpoint, which uh, is very understandable. Yeah, essentially. Uh, I didn't really have any of my own equipment uh, at that point, and I didn't really know how to use any kind of software or anything, and I didn't really have the budget for it either, so that was kind of uh, the first chance I had to to be able to get in charge of that kind of thing without having to find somebody who had the the time for it. Okay, so are you learning to produce at the same time as you're doing your own music? Like, you're just sort of applying it as you continue to go? Essentially, yeah. So, like every university degree, it takes uh, four-plus years to, to complete the one that I took. So you would continuously be learning things in class that uh, would either be in studio or out of studio. It could be about uh, writing the music or composing it. It could be about recording it. It could be about post-production. So it it's it was like an acceleration of uh, the learning curve that you would normally have with doing it just as a hobby because now you have... Uh, the educational aspect of it as well, just the, the formal setting of it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, if you have any questions, if maybe you're going ahead of what you've already been taught and you need to know something, you have the people there that have those sorts of answers to the questions that you were probably had. Exactly, yeah. Okay, so just that setting, being around people who knew what they were doing and other people who were also learning their craft definitely helped you grow. So at what point do you begin volunteering at the campus radio station in Lethbridge? And how do you feel that that helped you with uh, your growth in your learning process? Uh, So the first time uh, I found out about the station was when they had in their first, in the first week of uh, my first semester, I think uh, there was a day where they had a bunch of booths out for all the all the groups and the volunteer stuff that was happening at the university, and uh, one of them was uh, the radio station CKXU. So I approached them because I figured uh, that might help with some sort of career path at some point, uh, even outside of being an artist, even being, like, uh, involved radio in the future, like, in commercial radio in some way. And uh, I didn't do a whole lot with them. I volunteered for a couple of events, 
and that was about it. I didn't really get heavily involved in them until about my third year, uh, which would have been 2016 or 2015, I think, when I decided to start up a radio show about uh, the local music scene, basically. So uh, that kind of helped me figure out what else was going on in the city or what else had, had already come and gone. And it kind of helped me follow uh, what was what was on the horizons a little bit, uh, just because of not only the station library but the research I put into the show. And then uh, after that, I added a second show, uh, which was more about the music that I kind of gravitate towards. And uh, that one kind of introduced me to a lot of uh, new artists and. Uh, I even made like a list of them of of like the Canadian artists uh, just just so I could set it aside in case I needed to look for someone as a as an opening act for like a touring show or anything like that. So it kind of was it kind of acted as a uh, a door opening in the same way that. Uh, university, my my studies uh, acted as a, as a door opening for the production process for my own music. Hmm. So it presented another opportunity to connect and network, whereas the university was probably more of a local level. This allowed you to spread a lot further. Pretty much, yeah. Okay, okay, I like it. I like it. So, of course, the uh, name of the first show that you ran there ends up coming up back later, and we're going to get to that. But, of course, during this time, too, you're also releasing a lot of your tracks on Spotify and hyping things up, doing compilation albums, everything else. So take us through those first few years of a, as a musician, the formative years before you got to the point of let's say, um, pulling up the bootstraps and getting a little more serious with the Vanden Duel name like you did in 2019? Uh, so the first time I put anything online was in uh, the second semester of my first year in uh, 2014. Uh, I put out a single song that uh, I recorded with uh, some friends and uh, I put that up, like, just on a Facebook video. And then uh, after that, I put it on, like, YouTube and SoundCloud. Just anything that I could just put on for free, basically. And I started uh, recording other stuff just at home with, uh, with a USB mic and uh, some, some uh, virtual instrument plugins, which is essentially the way I still do it today. Uh, and I would kind of uh, put those up as as they came along. Uh, most of them were originals, but a lot a lot of them were covers as well. So uh, the covers I would just put on uh, YouTube and SoundCloud, and then the the originals I would put on Bandcamp. And then after a year had gone by, I would compile the originals into like a, a compilation album with year, and then whatever. Uh, 
year of recording uh, that was. So the first one would be the uh, year one, which would be 2015, uh, year two in 2016. Uh, I got up to year four, and uh, once once that happened, uh, I wanted to kind of start over and uh, have something that was a little less confusing and also something uh, that was properly mastered and everything. So uh, I started pre- uh, preparing the first album, the self-titled album, and uh, I did that by taking uh, some of my more recent songs and uh, getting them professionally la- mastered. Uh, most of them were recorded on a proper microphone, so I didn't have to replace the vocals, but on a few of them I did. Uh, so in uh, January 2019, I cleared uh, absolutely everything of my discography and I replaced it with uh, the first single off of the self-titled, which was Hopeless Romances. And uh, I re- released a couple other songs off of the album as singles uh, in the following months. And then I released the album itself uh, late in March of 2019. And uh, that's basically how uh, the discography as it stands now uh, began. Uh, sometimes I'll also uh, have limited release EPs just for the Halloween season, which is kind of uh, another another thing that was layover from when I would just distribute stuff and not really have a plan to it. Uh, before I would just leave it online, but now it it lasts for like half the month, and then I get rid of it because. I wanna I wanna make it clear which which uh, releases I consider to be like the official ones, the the essential ones that kind of embody what I want people to associate with me. Okay, fair enough. So with that first uh, self-titled EP, was this a lot of a collection of the songs that you had crafted through those first four years and just sort of picking the ones that you felt were just the best representation of yourself or were some of these new songs or how did that sort of uh, get brought together? Yeah, it was basically the stuff that I felt turned out the best uh, out of those four years, uh, which ended up being just like, uh, songs off of year three and year four uh, that were just kind of tweaked so that it would sound a little better. And yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So then going into uh, 2020 here, we bring back, well, once again, the name, The View From Here. It is the second EP. It is the newest release from Vanden Duel. So going from a collection of songs that were sort of built over the years into this new EP. So how do you feel that you have grown not only as an artist, but also as a human being from between Vanden Duel, the uh, self-titled, to The View From Here? Uh, well... The uh, the view from here's music was kind of more themed uh, because I wanted to 
I wanted to make an EP with that title and I wanted it to have the theme of just uh, life in Lethbridge generally. And uh, that kind of took me uh, in in a very specific direction, whereas uh, the self-title was just stuff that I wrote as I went along, and it was mostly stuff about my personal life, which also kind of started a little bit of drama when, uh, approaching its release. And uh, this one is less... Uh, this one's less so a reflection of my personal life. It's just more of a a general uh, what's it like living here? How does it feel? And uh, that is also kind of a reflection of me trying to uh, reevaluate what I should be writing about, like how it's how it's going to affect. Uh, the people around me and the people uh, that the song is referring to, especially uh, if it is referencing anyone. So it kind of was uh, a departure from the more, the more gloomy and uh, uh, self uh, self deprecating mindset that went into a lot of the songs in the first album.
So speaking about life in Lethbridge, um, I'm very much interested to know, because coming from a small town and once again living in sort of a smaller town, once again, sometimes uh, live shows can be very interesting, especially with some of the bills you can end up on, some of the packages and bands that you end up playing with. So what is a uh, Vanden Duel live show like? And what is some of the uh, more interesting shows that you've maybe been uh, billed as a part of? Uh, so the live setup is actually quite simple for me. It most the most of the sounds that you hear are off of a backing track that I just have playing on my laptop, and then uh, to give some sort of integrity to it. I'll also uh, play something either on my keyboard or on a on an acoustic guitar, and uh, I'll also have loops uh, running through a Novation circuit, uh, mostly drum loops, but sometimes there will also be like arpeggiators and and uh, bass lines running through it as well. So I wanted to give it a little more of a challenge as well as giving it more of a live aspect just so it didn't feel as much like I was cheating. Uh, I wanted to bring in uh, like a, a five-piece uh, synth band, uh, so fourth synth, uh, three synths, uh, slash uh, one of them doubling on uh, bass guitar and a drummer, and then me on vocals and occasionally guitar. And uh, that didn't happen because uh, the pandemic hit before we could have our first practice in. Uh, so that was that was supposed to be for the EP release. And uh, now that obviously has to be put on hold. And uh, yeah, uh, some of the more interesting bills I've been on. I've been on a couple of uh, fundraising things. Uh, one of them was for a venue that was about to close. So that would probably have been uh, the the biggest lineup I was on because it went from, I think, like 7 or 8 o'clock to 
maybe two o'clock and it was it was two nights i was on the second night i think no i think it was the first night and i kind of opened up the whole thing so uh that was that was a bit of uh, a fun thing to do uh i've also played with a couple of other local electronic bands uh one of them uh was open channels who opened for my album release and the other one was uh a band called stars from streetlights which was uh a band that uh formed well before i did they both uh formed before i did so i wasn't i wasn't the first to do this kind of thing in the city uh but i do perform more regularly than they do at least uh, I did while shows were still safe to do so. It's, uh, of course, only so much you can do in this sort of situation where venues aren't an option and so many other things aren't an option, including possibly even Facebook. So, <laughs> it's a, an, an interesting uh, world to operate, especially from an operating standpoint and trying to stay connected with an audience. Yeah, uh, I don't really have a lot of equipment to do uh, live streaming, so I kind of had to lay low since uh, since my last show. So I'm really looking forward to uh, when we'll be able to do that with with no with no problems and no issues, uh, and can just play in a venue without it having to be like on a patio or. Uh, behind glass or anything like that i agree i agree where you'll actually be able to you know shake a fan's hand and maybe even give them a hug and say hello and get to know the people who are coming out and enjoying the evening yeah basically and then also be able being able to have just a merch table out and having uh people be able to just uh look at the stuff and maybe buy it if they want uh that that's Something that's also been kind of weird to navigate is that now all your sales are online and then you either have to mail them out or uh, go to their door and and give it to them or leave it in their mailbox. So that's been that's been a little troublesome, I think, because uh, I personally like to buy merch like at the show, so I haven't really done a lot of uh online shopping for for band merch at least not for smaller scale local bands so i feel like a lot of people have uh, a similar mindset to that so i think uh it'll definitely help when live shows become uh a normal thing again i 100 percent agree because i feel it's just People want the opportunity to connect not only with their community, but also with the musicians who are helping to bring them art, helping them to release their emotions, the things that they go through throughout the day, and, I mean, the things that we also put into our music. Pretty much, yeah. And it, it's also just uh, the feel of uh, just getting it in person, because it feels more like you're you're doing some sort of duty whereas uh when you're doing it online it feels entirely like it's voluntary 
while while uh, if you're at a if you're at a booth table, it's like okay, something something's there. You should probably buy something and and show your support. Absolutely, for sure. So let's talk a little bit about support from another form. So as someone who has worked inside of the uh, community radio sort of scene, who's probably had to deal and look at the earshot charts and that sort of fun, what has it been like to see your own name, your own music being represented on such charts and getting plays in places like, well, the place I live, Kamloops. Uh, it's very interesting. When I first saw that uh, the self-titled was being, uh, was just constantly on the Kamloops charts, I was like, just surprised at it. That happened with uh, the year four compilation initially. And that was kind of what motivated me to make sure that uh, when I released uh, the self-titled that one of my tour shows would be in Kamloops uh, because I thought that meant that it would have a pretty good size audience uh, as far as uh, out-of-town shows went, uh, which didn't actually happen, but I definitely would consider going there again i would just change the venue and also uh try to see if i could find uh, a more local artist rather than someone who just kind of lives in a small town nearby and the other the other charts that i've uh, seen myself in the most regularly were the big city ones in uh uh in alberta so Calgary and Edmonton would occasionally have one of my releases on their charts. Uh, there were a couple weeks of the self-titled on CJSW's charts and on CJSR's electronic charts. Uh, there was also an AM station in Toronto that played the self-titled uh, quite a few times. I had a few plays on uh, Calgary and Edmonton again with uh, this EP, which was kind of nice to see. And it's also kind of interesting to see that those cities are playing the my music more often than uh, my own hometown is. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that can definitely be the case. And then when you finally do break out of your hometown, everybody's, oh, he came from here, he came from here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's a uh, funny, funny thing for sure. So earlier you mentioned your love of the Halloween season and releasing music based around the season, inspired by the season. So is there any plans for any more upcoming Halloween EPs or Halloween-themed music to uh, help set the uh, spooky mood? Yeah, at the time of this recording, I just finished uh, one track for the one that's coming up this year. Uh, as always, I'm going to be releasing it after the first day after Thanksgiving, and I'm going to have it, just like last year, I'm going to have it available until uh, November 1st. So if anyone wants to hear some of the darker side of my music, uh, taken to an extreme uh, they should look out for that very limited time yeah it's it's also one of the more difficult things to 
to come up with because it's kind of something I decided to do as an annual thing. And it sort of became an obligation rather than, oh, I have an idea, let's, uh, let's make this. So sometimes there's a bit of a creative block with it, and then uh, I have to kind of work my way around that. That's fair, that's fair. Sometimes, uh, I'm sure at the beginning when it was coming a little more naturally and flowing, it was a good idea, but some years you find yourself maybe uh, it gets close to the season and you don't even realize, oh, I need to start this. Yeah, I just started working on the first track uh, in the first week of September or the second week of September, so I kind of have to rush out the rest of it before like October 15th or so so it's kind of it's a little bit limiting in that way as well because I don't give myself enough time to experiment as much as I might want to but this is also like the the limited stuff that I don't have available for very long so I also don't put very much importance on it compared to uh, like the self-titled album or the view from here EP or uh, what else I have planned in the future on the horizon. Okay. So it's more just a celebration of the season with the fans and just going through the motion of just loving Halloween as opposed to actually trying to make something of it. Essentially. Yeah. It's, it's a way to kind of, uh, not really worry about whether I'm making the music accessible enough. Uh, I just want to make something that is just uh, dark and disturbing. And uh, a lot of times that also gets a lot of uh, reception as well because uh, some people just appreciate that kind of rawness to it, that kind of attempt to uh, escape just those uh, those pop sensibilities and just make something that that has no no uh, basically uh, no consequence if uh, if people feel like it's inaccessible or anything like that hmm okay okay awesome so of course it's been a fantastic journey going through the uh, sand with you here today going through your paces and i have one last question and we are actually getting into that spooky season so i just want to know what are some of your favorite halloween songs some of your favorite halloween movies that maybe help get you into the uh groove mm. Um, a lot of the music I listen to that, that I kind of associate with the season, it's not specifically, uh, Halloween really. It's just, uh, very, very dark electronic music that just, that I think happens to fit with it because it has that kind of, uh, that kind of witchy feel to it, I guess. And, uh, so that would be like a lot of witch house music and a lot of uh, music related to witch house. So like uh, black ceiling uh, would be one of them as well as uh, an artist called a band called crimes, which is uh, spelt with a three instead of an E also uh, artists like Salem and uh, 
basically anything in that kind of vein is what I gravitate to and what I kind of try to emulate with the Halloween music. And uh, as far as movies go, it's probably movies like, uh, like The Shining or just basically any kind of classic uh, horror genre kind of, and with a little bit of an artsy touch to it. So some sort of uh, like Alfred Hitchcock's uh, The Birds or things like that, basically. Just anything, anything with a, with a, with a real sense of dread and atmosphere to it. Mm-hmm. Something with a really solid vibe. Alfred Hitchcock was always like really good at making you try and look for things that might not even be there, and just like the anticipation he could build. Yeah, uh, that that's uh, what I really like about the birds is just the way it ends with with just the field full of birds just sitting there. Like that was one of my favorite uh, moments in. Uh, horror movie history that I've seen because there's just something so suspenseful about just seeing that and not knowing if uh, if the characters are actually going to make it out of there. Mm-hmm, absolutely. It is a uh, fantastic movie and it continues to stand the test of time for sure. All right, Tyler Van Den Duel. I want to thank you so much for joining me here today on the Desert Tiger Podcast to tell us all about the new EP, The View From Here, as well as your journey. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, it was my absolute pleasure to be joined by Van Den Duel here today on the DTP. And I hope that you... The ambush feels the same way. I hope you enjoyed the songs that you heard here today. Of course, those being Small Town City, which we kicked off today's episode with. And in the middle of the show, we also played Rust on the Train Bridge. You can find both of those tracks as well as the rest of Van Indul's new EP, The View, from here on, yes, your favorite music streaming service. I also highly suggest you follow Van and Duel on social media if you're into Halloween so that you can find out exactly when that limited time release Halloween EP for 2020 is available. Just like Halloween, it only comes once a year, so you best get your hands on it while you can. With that being said, I need to give one final roaring DTP thank you to Vanden Duel for joining us here today. He actually also reached out to me himself through my email at desert.tiger.podcast at gmail.com and we set that up, right? It doesn't always have to be through a PR agent. It doesn't always have to be that way. We as artists are capable of connecting and communicating ourselves and when we do, we can make beautiful things happen just like this episode just like next week's episode which is brought to you by a pr agent but that doesn't matter because it's fantastic as well it's actually this friday's episode and it features guitar virtuoso ariel posen as we're going to be talking about a new track that he is dropping this friday september the 18th 2020 and i can't wait 
for you. The ambush to join me there. And I need to thank you guys for tuning into this episode, for being loyal and dedicated as you are if you're new. Joining the ambush is easy as subscribing on your favorite podcast listening service, maybe the one you're using now. You can also help us grow by giving us a five-star review, sharing this episode, and also heading on over to DesertTigerMerch.com and copying yourself something to support the show. Alright, you guys. We've already said our thank yous. We've already told you who's coming up this Friday. I think the only thing left to do is to tell you to put your paws in the sand and journey across your desert to find your mountaintop, your desert oasis, whatever it is that makes your heart sing its loudest and its proudest and makes you feel like the greatest rendition of the human being, the spiritual being that you are. Get out there. Chase your dreams, even if they aren't that big. And that's okay, because whatever it is that makes you happy, it makes you happy, and that's what matters. And until next week, bye-bye, and stay beautiful, because you are, yes, yes, you are.